All right. Get everybody's hands up. No, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> hands up. Let's go. All right. I'm excited about this morning, and uh, I want you, want you to know that you are anointed by God. You have a special purpose for your life. God is with you. God is for you, and he has victory in store for you. Can I get an amen on that one? And we've been talking about a series called Let's Go Change the World, and Jesus said go. He said go. So um, I always have to hear God tell me to stop, okay? Otherwise, I'm going. If there's an opportunity, I'm taking it because Jesus already said go and make disciples of all the nations. And so uh, this series, uh, at first I put down Let's Change the World, and I said, oh, no, i got to add the word go. i got to remind people we're all ready to be going. So let's go change the world. We have a great mission. We have the hope that the world is looking for within us. We are the jars of clay that God has put his presence in, the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We have the treasure. We have the answer. The answer uh, for every single person at any given moment is the presence of God, just the presence of God. When the presence of God is there in the situation, whatever it is, he answers, he, he is the solution, and we get to bring the presence of God everywhere we go. It's just an amazing journey that we get to live in this life, and we all have a part to play in that. And so uh, today I want to talk about this, this is the, the, the title, Anointing Releases the Presence of God, and I want to tell you about anointing today, teach you a little bit about that, but our series started with worship, and this is kind of patterned off of the Old Testament temple uh, times, okay? So at the temple times, at the outset of the very entrance point, there were gates. And when you would come to the gates, David from the Holy Spirit was instructed to have worship. And so he had 20, I think he had at one point 4,000 worship people. Uh, he had, I think he divided them into 24 different divisions of worshipers, worship teams. And every day from 9 until 3 while the sacrifices were going on, there was worship going on at the gates. And so that, that's why he said in one of the Psalms, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And so there was praise and worship going on on the outside of the temple as you would come in. And if you want to get close to the presence of God, you got to be a worshiper, okay? If you want to experience the presence of God, and you are the temple now, so now, because you are the temple, there needs to be worship surrounding your life. And I don't know about you, but when I, when I think about worship, typically I, I think about the songs and the music and the time that we just finished. But how many of you know worship is the way that we live our whole life? Okay, the, the way that we honor God by, by recognizing him, um, looking to him, praying, worshiping, being, being submiss submissive to him, Following his word, all of that is actually worship. Paul said the, the, the truest form of your worship, the, the best way that you can express worship to God is to lay your life down as a living sacrifice to him, right? And that was one of our, our verses last week that we've been thinking about, um, to, to offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God. But I think about worship, and I think about bringing it, bringing it. In, in the New Testament, or in the Old Testament, they brought animals for sacrifice. But in the New Testament, we bring the sacrifice of praise. We bring our heart. We bring ourself. We bring our energy. And Jesus said the greatest commandment in the Bible is to love the Lord your God 
with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Now, it's impossible uh, to do that without giving something, right? Giving your energy, giving your attention, stirring yourself up. So what do you have to bring to God? When I say bring yourself to God, when I say um, that the New Testament tells us to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, what is that look? What does that look like? That looks like um, coming and saying, I'm going to put my mind on the Lord. I'm going to worship him with my thoughts right now. I'm going to wrestle my thoughts. I'm going to make them submissive to God, and I'm going to think about God. I'm going to put my mind on him, how good he is, what he's been doing for me, what he has promised to do for me, and, and who I am in him, and I'm just going to start to think about what I know about God and what God has done for me, and I'm going to begin to then bring not just my mental, but I'm going to bring some physical stuff. Okay, that's what I have. I have a body here. I got a body, and I'm going to give it to God. And so I'm going to jump. I'm going to clap. I'm going to sing. I'm going to open up my mouth. I'm going to give my breath to praising God. Can I get an amen? amen. So I want to bring my attitude, my energy. So to love the Lord your God or to worship the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. All of your uh, mind and all of your strength it, that's worship. That's giving, basically what is Jesus saying is the greatest command in the Bible? To give everything you got to God. Just surrender it all. Come, let's bring it. So I think about worship here in this church and my vision for our time together on Sunday mornings is that we are bringing, we're bringing it. And it is a lot. We're bringing it. We come to worship God. We come to bring enthusiasm. We come to bring ourselves. We come to bring our heart. We come to bring our mind. We're engaging ourselves in God. We are bringing worship. We are, and as we do that, the Bible says he inhabits the praises or the worship of Israel, of, pe of his people. And so when we come and we, we say, God, I am coming this morning, and I'm going to try to do my best to love you with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength this morning. I'm going to do it. I'm going to bring it. As we do that, as we offer our heart, our mind, our attention, our energy, and all that we are, God then just kind of like, you know, he just like envelops the praises of his people and his presence is ushered in. Worship ushers in the presence of God. And you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you can't just, you don't need to just do this on Sunday mornings like we've been saying. This is a lifestyle. We could be living this way all the time. Okay? What about the other six days of the week? You know what I'm saying? How about living it that way as well? Okay, you got, got, got me on that? So worship is a big deal. So let's get excited about worshiping the Lord. And when we get the opportunity to worship the Lord here the, together this morning, bring it, okay? You come into his court, his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. Each week, think about that. So when you're walking in these doors, that we're, we're just saying, God, I am here. I am engaged to worship you. I am engaged to learn, I'm engaged to listen, I'm engaged to serve, I'm engaged to love, I'm, I'm in it, I'm bringing it. This body, God, you want this body to flop this hand on someone's shoulder and pray a prayer, a blessing on them, I'm ready. You want this mouth to be opened up and take this breath and squeeze my lungs and praise you, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm, 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 gonna, I'm here. I am the temple, you are the temple, and there is worship in the temple. Come on. Okay, and then also 
The sacrifice, we talked about last week how that really embodies surrender, that we are surrendering ourselves to the Lord. And I think I covered all that in, uh, in that little rant I just had. So, And now today, though, I want to talk about anointing. And uh, so here's the phrases I've, I've been working with. Worship ushers in the presence of God. Surrender honors the presence of God. What I mean by that is when we are submissive to God and we're surrendering to him and we're allowing him to take the wheel, all right, Jesus take the wheel or whatever, he's in charge, like how he was saying, Lord, I just surrender my marriage to you, I surrender my life to you, you're in charge, I'm going to stop trying to knock down a locked door, you're the one with all the keys, I'm going to trust in you with our life, okay? So when we surrender to God, it honors his presence because he's in control now. If you've ever been in a, a meeting and an important person walks in the room and you know they're the one that is the most important, what do you do? You s- stop talking. You let them talk. You let them lead. Why? Because you're honoring them. They are more important than you in that, in that situation. That's what you do. They're, they have a higher authority. If it's the president or if it's the principal or if it's the teacher or whoever it is, there is this known kind of Thing that, okay, this person is to be honored, okay? And, and when you live life like that, God, your presence is to be honored, and I have some things I, I think I need to do today, but when you speak to me, when you lead me, I'm going to submit to your agenda for the day. I'm going to honor your presence. Do you see? That honors his presence, and when you honor the presence of the Lord, then guess what? He's, he's going to stick around. He's going to stick around, and that's what you want. You want the presence of God fully alive in you. And so worshiping God uh, kind of ushers in the presence, honor, uh, and surrender honors the presence. But I want to say that anointing releases the presence of God, and you are all anointed. You are anointed, okay? So we'll get to that. I'm going to go through, I'm just going to read a, a couple of scriptures very quickly. You're not going to catch everything I have to say, but the reason I'm going to do it kind of quickly is because... Um, I want to get to some other things, but I also want to just give you a big, broad picture of what I'm going to summarize after this, okay? First Chronicles chapter 15, verse 2 says, no one but the Levites. Everyone say, no one. No one but this group of people called the Levites. No one but the Levites may carry the ark of God because the Lord chose them. Say, chose them. So God chose the Levites, and he gave them a specific assignment. You guys get to carry the ark of the covenant, Okay? They're the only ones that could do that. They were called, assigned, uh, and anointed to do a specific task, and nobody else could do it. Nobody else except them. Now, God does this for all of us. We all have unique assignments and roles and, and anointings in life. Okay, And I'm just going to go through a whole bunch of things regarding the temple. And remember, we are the temple, and, and we are the temple together. And Ephesians 2 says that, that we are being built together as a holy sanctuary, a holy temple where God dwells. So individually we're temples of God's presence, but corporately the Lamb of God family is being built together as a temple. And it takes a lot of parts to make the sanctuary for God to dwell, okay? So keep that in mind as I kind of blitz through some things here. David told the leaders of the Levites, this is in 1 Chronicles 15 verse 16, to appoint, everybody say the word appoint. So certain people are being appointed to appoint their brothers as singers to sing joyful songs accompanied by musical instruments, lairs, harps, and cymbals. In other words, uh, 
guitars and bass players and drums. And it goes on to say the musicians, Heman, Asaph, and Ethan, were to sound the bronze cymbals, the drums. Zechariah, Aziel, Shemeramoth, Jehel, Uni, Eliab, Messiah, Benia, sorry guys, were to play the guitars, okay, the lairs, according to Alamoth, or a typical sound rhythm or something. And Matha, Mattathiah, Elephalihu, McNe, <laughs> okay, Obed, Edom, Jael, Azaziah, were to play the harps, directing according to Shemineneth, or something like that. Kenaniah, the head Levite, was in charge of the singing, and I think this is kind of interesting. That was his responsibility because he was skillful at it. Everybody say skillful. Aren't you glad that the guy who was in charge of singing was actually good? I mean, let's be honest, okay? He was anointed and appointed to be the lead singer because he was good at it. But we will find from the scriptures that God makes us good at things. Our abilities come from God, okay? And the Bible is filled with this kind of stuff. A person's name and what they did. A person's name and what they did. A group of people and what they were doing. And how they were skilled or anointed or called or assigned to do these things. No one can do what you have been assigned to do by God. This is very important to understand. You are anointed and it's going to involve skill and assignments and people and things that you get to do that nobody else has that assignment. It's yours from God. Congratulations, okay? You have a purpose. You matter. God's chosen you. He's appointed you, and he has empowered you with his presence, okay? And nobody can do what you can do, and you can't do what someone else is supposed to do. It won't work. It just won't work. So we need to, first of all, stop trying to be like somebody else, but secondly, we need to have a little bit of Godfidence, Godfidence, not confidence, but Godfidence that, hey, hold on a minute. You know, it's not a pride thing. It's an understanding of I, I've been chosen. I am important. God has is, is made me for this time in this place, and he has, he has an anointing for my life to affect somebody else. Um, goes on and in 1 Chronicles chapter 23, the whole chapter outlines the names and the responsibilities of the Levites. Chapter 24 is all the names and the responsibilities of the priests, and they're divided into 24 different divisions. There's a lot of them. Chapter 25 talks about all the singers and the 24 different worship teams, as I'll put it. Chapter 26 talks about the gatekeepers, the treasurers, the officials. 27 talks about the army divisions, there's 12 army divisions according to their tribes. Other passages talk about stone cutters, carpenters, metal workers, people that worked with fabric, embroiderers, and masterful craftsmen in every area. And it lists names and duties. And it's, like I said before, if, if you don't have some understanding of what's going on, it could be kind of boring. It's just a litany of this, this person does this and this person does this and these people, their responsibilities were this gate and this, 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 this type of stuff. And it had everything to do with, listen to this, God said, make me a sanctuary so that I can dwell among you. And everybody was needed to do this thing. All kinds of different skills, all kinds of different passions, all kinds of different 
um, con- contributions, and, and everybody was needed, and they all did their part, and God showed up. You are the temple, and God's building us into a temple, a holy place where he dwells, and when everybody shows up, when everybody is doing what they're anointed to do, God shows up. You have a gift. You have a word. You have an assignment today, this morning. You're not just here for yourself, by yourself. You're not just putting in your religious time. God has some gift in you that will benefit and help someone else in this room. We come together, and we all have something to give. We have this deposit of the Holy Spirit in us, and he, if we're listening, will make us sensitive to the needs around us that he wants to meet. And we say, oh, yes, Lord, okay, of course, I'd love to talk with that person, pray for that person, encourage that person, share that word, give them that verse, smile, shake their hand, whatever. And we all have something, and that's what I'm talking about. God is building us into a holy place where he dwells, and his presence is welcomed, and anointing is, is a big part of that. So here's a couple other verses real quick, First Chronicles 28, 21. David is talking to Solomon. David went through all the preparations because God uh, put it on his heart to build a temple, but God said, but your son's going to do it because your life has been filled with bloodshed. So David got all the materials together, got all the organization together, got the game plan from God, planned everything out had all the right people in the right places, and he said this to, to his son. He said, the divisions of the priests and the Levites are ready for all the work on the temple of God, and every willing man skilled in any craft will help you in all the work. And so, do you see those words, skilled, any, any craft? They're ready. They're, they're, it's organized, and everyone has a role to play. goes on to say, in Deuteronomy, I'll read this part. It says, the, uh, the Lord said to Moses, see, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Filled him with the Spirit of God. You're like, wow, this guy must be a powerful man. What was going on in his life? What was he doing? He's filled with the Spirit of God. And God says, I filled him with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I've appointed Oholiab, son of Ahisamach, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. Also, I have given ability, ability to all the skilled workers to make everything I've commanded you. Let me ask you this question. Where did the ability come from? From God. Where have your abilities come from? From God. Yeah, you know, oh, well, yeah, kind of, a sort of, but I've worked really hard. Well, congratulations, but it has come from God. Yes, you are maybe being a good steward of the abilities that God has given you, and you should be. And the seeds of greatness are in every single one of us. And there's a stewardship responsibility that we all have. And yet our propensity, our, 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 our uh, personalities, our desires, our passions, our abilities... Uh, you know, they are, they're there in seed form, and God kind of waters them, and other people pour into them, and then we get going, and we start to work and develop it, and it grows. Yes, but where did it come from? From God. And God has given you the abilities and gifts and things that you have 
for the benefit of others, not just so you could make money with your ability, not just so that you could be famous and, and be, you know, experience some sort of, uh, you know, self-gratification, like, oh, look how cool I am, look how good I am. That, that's not why God has given you the ability. It's not you. God has given you those skills and abilities to glorify him and for the benefit of other people. It's pretty awesome. And so I just want to remind you that all of us are in this together. In, in Exodus 25, 8, they then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. As we all do our part, we are preparing a place for God to, to dwell. And that is the answer for every situation, for every person on planet Earth right now, is we need the presence of God. And whether you're a metal worker, carpenter, a mom, you know, you make great cookies, you make crafts, whatever you're doing, whatever skills and abilities you have, you know, God, God has anointed you, and, and there's a place for that in the body you know, to help someone and encourage someone. But the most important thing that I'm concerned about is that, as a pastor is activating everybody's giftings and anointings so that the presence of God is in this place, and there is life in this place, and there are needs being met in this place. I can't meet you know, a whole lot of needs, and neither can you. But together, we have different passions that actually meet different needs. And, and we are ought to be actively serving those purposes because it allows God's presence to come and fill us with life. So let me talk about anoint, anointing very quickly, okay? You may say, well, what in, what in the world does that word even mean, anoint? You'll read this a lot in the Old Testament. You'll see that the word anointing was used to put certain people, special people, into special offices or places. Like the kings were anointed. They were anointed by a prophet, and they were set into a specific role of kingship, and it was for a special purpose. Prophets were anointed, um, and so we see that type of pattern going on in the Old Testament. But it's really to set something or someone aside for a special purpose. Uh, we look in the scriptures and all of the temple was anointed. All of the articles in the temple were, was anointed. And these are just objects, but they were all anointed with oil and they were set aside for a special purpose. And in the New Testament, it tells us that we have been anointed, that you have been chosen and set aside for a special purpose. You have a special purpose. You are anointed, and today at the end of the service, I just want to remind you you're anointed by anointing you, just to remind you, and, and to, to just stir up the anointing upon each and every one of us, and because it's so important for us to be who God's called us to be so that God can be who God wants to be in us and through us, okay? Can I get an amen on that one? So to be anointed, in my, in my understanding, is to be called, equipped, and set apart for a special purpose. And uh, I'm just so glad that each and every one of us are part of this team. On this team, in this family, nobody sits the bench. Nobody's uh, in the stands. We're all on the field. We're all playing. We're all in the game. We all have a role. Nobody sits on the sidelines waiting for their number to be called or waiting to be subbed in. Everybody's in all the time. We're all in. You're important. There's no bench positions in the kingdom of God, okay? All right, so each of us has unique anointing. 
We have a unique assignments and so on that the Holy Spirit will lead us in. We have unique personalities and giftings and experiences and all that kind of stuff. And yet, we're, it's all for others' benefit, so keep that in mind. But let me talk about this verse here, Exodus 40, verse 10. It says, Then anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils, consecrate the altar, and it will be most holy. So God is telling Moses and the priest to anoint all these different things in the temple. And he says, this is what you're doing. You're consecrating it. You are setting it aside. You're dedicating it. Okay? When you anoint something, it's being dedicated or set aside. And holy means to be set apart. It will be made holy. When you anoint it and you're consecrating it, you're dedicating it and you're setting it aside. It is separate. It is not a common use object anymore. It is special. It has a special purpose. Therefore, if the utensils were special, how much more are you and I, when we are anointed by God and we are dedicated to God, we dedicate our hearts to the Lord, our lives to Him, we're consecrated unto God's purposes, and we are separated from common use, from just making it through life, we have a holy, special purpose in Him. So this is the mindset of someone who is anointed. They think this way. It's not arrogance. It's confidence. It's my life matters. Any moment God can do anything through me or in me at any moment because I'm appointed and I'm anointed and I'm empowered by his spirit. Any abilities or any opportunities that come my way are from him. I'm dedicated to his purposes and I'm willing and ready and available to do whatever he's calling me to do, and God's presence will break out at any moment, and God can do anything. He can save. He can set free. He can heal. He can break chains. He can give hope. He can give wisdom through me at any moment. This is how someone thinks who's anointed by God, who knows they're anointed by God. This is how you think. Your life isn't boring anymore. You're not wondering, you know, just stuck on the to-do list for the day. You don't think that way anymore. So my prayer is you don't think that way. My prayer is you begin to live, and, and I believe as the church, you know, there's going to be a time in our, in our age where the church really begins to wake up to its full responsibilities. How many of you want to be a part of that awakening? Okay? You can't just cruise control Christianity. Christianity has never been a cruise control faith. It's always been an aggressive, going, moving, building, reaching, rescuing, setting free, advancing faith. And honestly, the church isn't really doing that. But one day, the church, and I can't make this happen, but the Spirit of God is going to do something. And all of a sudden, we're all going to wake up to a whole different level of living. We're going to see things that we hadn't seen before and we're going to be like, why didn't we think of this before? Why didn't we see this before? Why haven't we been living this way before? And all of a sudden, the church is going to really move forward with the power of the presence of God on the earth. It's going to happen. It's going to be the greatest you know, revival of all time. And because God's determined, his purposes will prevail. Um, so you're anointed. And, and I just want to share with you, uh, when, when Saul was anointed, and I don't have time to teach on this very much, but the first king of Israel, when he was anointed, he changed. He was completely changed. It says that his heart was changed. 
and it said the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he began to join the prophets and prophesying, and everybody's looking at Saul and saying, who is this guy? Is this Saul? Is he now among the prophets? Because the anointing of God, and these are three things I think are very closely associated in Scripture, anointing, the Spirit, and power. They're all interlinked. And when we're talking about anointing, we're also talking about the Holy Spirit, and we're talking about power. Jesus said that you will be filled, right, with the Holy Spirit and with power, okay? And so um, that's kind of what the Holy Spirit, the anointing kind of represents the, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the empowerment of God. And Jesus said it this way, his first sermon, his first passage of Scripture that he preached on after he was baptized was Isaiah chapter 61. And he said this, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. The Spirit of God is on me because the Lord has what? He's anointed me, not just with oil, but with his presence he has anointed me to do something. So anointing always, always is about you're now empowered to do something. It's not just to feel something. So the presence of God isn't just for you to feel something. Like, oh, man, goosebumps. Oh, that was awesome. I love that song. Ooh, I feel the anointing of God, and you just feel so good and whatever. And like, okay, that's great. But the anointing has always been to empower people to do something. When Jesus said, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and with power, you will be my witnesses so that you can witness. People will see the power of God and the presence of God in your life, and they'll know that I'm alive. And your words will be filled with boldness and, and wisdom and truth and, and life-saving, you know, anointing. And so Jesus said that the Lord has anointed me to what? Proclaim good news to the poor. He, said, he has sent me. I'm sent with a mission. Sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, the day of vengeance of God on our enemy, right? And to comfort all who mourn, and to provide for those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. There would be a new life that's birthed within them. New life, freedom, fullness, joy. They'd be strong oaks of righteousness. Jesus said, the Lord has anointed me and sent me to do these things. And what did he do? He did them. The Lord has anointed you to do great and awesome things that will fill your, like, tank, you know, that, that gives you that purpose and it's not work. It's the journey of life. It's the joy that God has for all of us to partner with him. It's the greatest thing on earth is to be a part of seeing someone's life change because God used you. It's, it's awesome. It, it enlarges our lives. It doesn't take away from us. So here it is, 2 Corinthians 121. I've been telling you you're anointed. I just want to prove it to you in Scripture. Now, it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us 
and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. You are anointed by God. When you became a child of God, his presence upon you, and those of you who are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God has come upon you. He has anointed you. He has called you. He has chosen you. I looked up the word called this last week on, the, on the, like a search thing for the Bible. I couldn't believe how many times that word's in there. Like over a thousand times, called. You're called. We are called. And God has called us with a great purpose. Ephesians 2.10, many of you know this verse. It says, we are God's workmanship or we are God's masterpiece. And we've been created in Christ Jesus to do these good works. I call them God works. To do God works. Good works, God works, which God prepared in advance for us to do, but they're done in Christ Jesus. They're done in him, through him, not just me coming up with some good ideas. These are works of God, assignments of God, um, anointings of God that God has inspired, God is leading, God is guiding, and there are works in him that we do, not in us. That's a big difference because when you do works in you, they usually don't, they don't work. But when you're doing what God's called you to do, it works. And it doesn't drain you. It, it empowers you. But I love this verse. We're going to memorize this verse this week, okay? How many of you are willing to memorize this verse with me? Psalm 20, verse 6, okay? This is our goal. Let's memorize this. Let's read it together uh, right here. Let's read it. The Lord gives victory to his anointed. Well, think about that for a second. That's pretty awesome. How many of you are anointed? And it says he gives victory to his anointed. Okay, let's keep going. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. This is awesome. This is who you are. As you are walking through your life, if you have the attitude of an anointed person, then you are expecting victory at every battle line, every challenge, every hindrance. You are thinking totally different because you are anointed and the Lord gives his anointed one victory. His powerful right hand is with you. He answers from heaven because he has anointed you and called you into that arena. Wherever you're anointed to go, there is only victory for you. It's not a man effort. It's not a manpower anymore. When you're on assignments from God, it is a God assignment. It's a God power, and there is victory. That's the only option for you. If you remain in faith and you keep pursuing what God has called you to do, there is victory for you. This is exciting. So I really want you to just meditate on this. The Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. Who can arm wrestle God, Right? Uh, we sang a song, something about who, who can, uh, the lion and the lamb. What is that? Who can, how's it going? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can beat him when his right hand is for you? Nobody, right? Nobody. And God is with you, and he's in you. And I, I know this says from his heavenly sanctuary, from his temple, but where is his temple now? It's like right here. It's right here. 
His presence in you, his, his powerful, right, victorious hand is with you right now, the presence of God, all right? So let there be victory in this family this week. Anointing equals power. It's, it's God's anointing, it's God's calling, it's God's assignment, and that brings with it power, victorious power, victorious power, victory. How many of you like to win? Well, you're on the winning team. You are a winner. You're on the winning team. We need to think differently. We are anointed. God has called us. He has sent us. He's empowered us. There is victory for us. So I was telling the, the group this morning before we were praying that this morning I was just, I was just seeing like this, I don't, I'm, I, you know, I come of a teacher and I, I just saw this whiteboard and I saw a, a column of like earthly uh, things. I didn't actually see anything specific, but I was thinking of uh, two columns, earthly and spiritual realities, spiritual truth. And earthly might say something like, um, this is what we're going to have for lunch today. Uh, this is what my body feels like today. This is what the doctor's report says. This is what my bank account says. <laughs> you know, this is what my uh, you know, marriage looks like today. This is what my kids look like today. This is what uh, my week looks like. Oh, my. Oh, my. You know, here's what I got to do. The lawn needs to be mowed. And we got to do that. Okay, so here's all the earthly list of stuff. And then the spiritual list of things like, I'm, I'm called. I'm anointed. There's victory for me. Jesus paid for all my health and all my, all my uh, poverty. And he's blessed me. And there's not a promise of God that isn't already yes. And, and all these realities. And I think, how do we, which one of these saints do we live in most of the time? Are we living, you know, with our head down on the earthly facts? Or are we living with our eyes on Jesus, lifting up, looking at the spiritual truths and pulling heaven into earth, pulling heaven into earth, pulling it down, pulling it over, whatever it takes. But the Bible says, Jesus said, pray this way, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus said, you can pray that. You can pull heaven into earth. We are the hosts of heaven. We are the house of God on the earth. Our assignment is to bring heaven to earth wherever we are to bring light wherever there's darkness and freedom wherever there's bondage, okay? And that includes yourself, your life. And so, again, a person who's starting to understand who they are in God begins to think differently, think differently about things that come at them. If you are trained to think this way, when these things pop up, you just slide this stuff over. Oh, you think, you think it? Oh, yeah, I got something for you. <laughs> Boom, bazooka from heaven. Boom. Blow that up. The, the, what is more true, the spiritual or the physical? Because the spiritual came first. Spiritual came first. Then God said, and then the physical. The spiritual came first. That means it's the creator. It's more powerful. The spiritual always comes first, then the physical. The physical is submissive to the spiritual. So what's more powerful, a spiritual truth or a physical truth? A spiritual truth. The, the, all the physical came from the spiritual. Therefore, it is less than the spiritual. Okay, God is spirit, 
And he is our leader, and he is the creator, and he's more powerful than any physical, earthly situations or circumstances that you are facing. His truths are bigger truths than the ones on the physical realm. His truth is more powerful than these truths. So these can be changed if we access the spiritual truths. Do you believe that? Okay, I hope so. Because that's all it takes. It takes belief and perseverance, right? All the promises of God, the Bible says, we access them through faith, through believing and agreeing with God and saying the amen to God and saying, God, I agree, I believe what you say is true, and through patience, and through patience, perseverance. Through faith and through patience, we inherit the promises of God. Amen. All right. So, um, so anyway, here's a verse that we did in our family devotions a few weeks ago, and I thought I would throw it at you real quick. 1 Peter 4.10 says, each of you, everybody say each of us, should use whatever gift uh, you have received to serve others. Okay, 1 Peter 4.10 as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Think of that word steward. So uh, Peter is saying, listen, guys, you have been entrusted with something. You may say you're gifted, you're anointed, you're skillful, you've you got these abilities, but I'm telling you, you are a steward. All of that stuff came from God, and it is his grace upon your life that you're a good writer or a good mathematician or a good plumber or a great mom or a good encourager or a great photographer. You know, whatever those things are, carpenter, those are abilities. Yes, you've worked to, to hone those, but all of this stuff has come from God, and you are a steward. So here's four points I want to give you real quick. Number one, it says that each of us have a gift. Each of us have a gift. Don't believe the lie that you don't have something that God has blessed you with uh, that's for someone else. That's a lie. Every one of us are included, okay? You believe that? Okay. Number two, this verse tells us that the gift is to be used, not ignored, and not buried. Whatever you have is not to be shelved. You should not, uh, you should not give in to fear of embarrassment, fear of failure. Uh, uh, you shouldn't be shy about the contribution that God has put in you to give. It is to be used. It's to be used. You are a steward. God has given it to you to be used, not to just be ignored. Every gift inside of you, you are responsible to steward it, develop it, and get it going. I need it. Somebody else needs it. And it's from God, and that's how God gets his miracles to people, is through the body of Christ. Okay? We need you. We need what you have. Stop being afraid. Stop being lazy. Develop it and use it, okay? Everybody has a gift. Everybody's supposed to be using it, and it's for the service of others. Number three, okay, the gift is to serve others. It's not just to serve ourselves. Yeah, maybe your gift helps you make a living, but its primary use is also to benefit other people. That's why God has given it to you. Every gift that you have is to be used ultimately to benefit others, okay? And the fourth thing that I get out of this verse is that the gift is from God for others. When it says you're faithful stewards of God's grace, that means this thing came from God. It, it's not yours. You are a steward. You are not an owner. 
So you may say, oh, I just got this great sense of humor. Yeah, well, God gave you that. It's not how cool you are. God gave that to you. So what do you do with it? You use it to serve others. I want to laugh. Tell me a joke, okay? We all need to laugh. We, whatever the gift is, you see, it's not just you. You don't own it. You're a steward of it. So use it for the glory of God. We didn't generate any of our gifts. They all came from God. And Ephesians 4, 7 says, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So you don't choose your assignment. You, you don't say, oh, I want to be like Pastor Tim, or I want to be like Michael Jordan, or I want to be that, like that. Don't do that. You're going to always lose when you try to be like somebody else. Every one of us has unique thumbprints, breath prints, you know, retinas, all that, because we are a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. And God has a unique assignment and anointing for us. And he has people that we're going to touch that nobody else will have the opportunity to touch. And, and some of those assignments and some of those anointings will come just in a normal day of life, and all of a sudden, God whispers to your ear, hey, pray for this person, or go talk to that, or hey, take pause and, and do this. And you're right there, and the presence of God is there, and the assignment of God is given, and the response of honoring God by surrendering to his agenda is there, and then you do what God says to do, and God shows up and changes a life. Awesome. Uh, uh, man, okay, here's some things I want you to think about this week, because I'm running out of time, but in your life group discussions, even if you're not a part of a life group, I would highly encourage you to journal these questions I have for you, and, and they're, they're to stimulate you to see what you are anointed for. What is your God-given assignment? So at the end of the notes, you'll see these questions. Number one, what are you good at? What do you enjoy? What are you complimented for? Okay, that, that gives you some good clues on, on uh, how you're particularly anointed or gifted or have skills or abilities. Number two, what do you see is fruitful in your life? What's working? What have you touched and improved? What have you made better? What do you love to see, uh, you know, to, to improve? Number three, what do you see that needs to change? What are you passionate about? When you see something and you, you start complaining about it, and you're just like, that, someone's got to do something about that. Guess who the someone is? It's you. Because you know what? Someone else doesn't even care about what you're caring about. But God has given you a vision and you see something that's disturbed, like my barn, and my, my, uh, my aunt, or my, my uh, sister, Kim, and I think you were there, too. You guys were talking about, because we were trying to get things organized for the open house, and my barn was just, it's just packed full. It's just a mess. And both these ladies said, oh, we would love to come over and take everything out of your barn and put it back in and organize it. I'm like, I'm looking at it, I'm like, are you crazy? You would like that? Like, no, seriously, we would love that. I'm like, Really? Wow, I cannot believe someone is anointed to do that. <laughs> but I guess they are, so that's pretty awesome. But uh, so, you know, what do you see that needs to change? What are you passionate about? Number four, what skills, knowledge, and experiences do you have that God can use? And number five, what has God told you? What verses in the Bible have really spoken to your life? Do you have like a life verse that God just really uh, did something in your heart with, with something? Those kinds of things give you clues on what you're called to do, what you're anointed to do, what you're good at, what you're fruitful at, how God has, has gifted you. But we are all a walking temple of the presence of God. And whenever God whispers to our ear, we are all available for God to do 
anything at any minute. Keep that in mind. Romans 8, 28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Uh, I was going to share a story, but I'll just encourage you to maybe read the story, Acts chapter 3 and 4. It's when Paul, uh, or it's when Peter and John were going into the temple, and there was a beggar that was asking for money, and the Bible says that it was a man who had been crippled from birth. And, and I don't know about you, but um, so here's the guy's question. Let's just, let, let me just kind of paraphrase it. Hey, could you spare some change? Do you, could you give me some money? Okay, something like that, all right? So now, here we are, we're walking. We got some religious stuff to do. We're going to church, right? And we're going to go worship God. We're going to go praise God. And, and Peter has this beggar, Peter and John, and this guy said, hey, do you got any money? And the, the truth was, Peter didn't have any money. So he could have just said, no, sorry, buddy, I don't have anything. Keep on going. Why? Because I got church to go to. I got God stuff to do. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? He could have said, hey, sorry, man, you know, I don't have anything on me. But that's not how we're supposed to live our life, just going through the day. We got an agenda. And so I want you to think about that story. Go ahead and read it if you want this week, Acts 3 and 4, because what Peter did is, is the very first step of, of what Peter did was he thought differently he wasn't caught up in his agenda. He wasn't preoccupied with his plan. He was sensitive to the needs around him through the spiritual eyes of the Holy Spirit, and something inside of him clicked, and he saw an opportunity for the presence of God to show up. And he said, no, I don't have any money, but what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he grabbed his hand, and he pulled the guy up. And as the guy is being pulled up, a miracle happened. And God put strength and energy into his feet and to his ankles. And as the guy reaches up, and Peter starts, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk, he starts to pull him. The guy starts to come up, and all of a sudden, boom, fire comes into his ankles and his feet, and it says he jumped up. So it was like, boom, let's go, boy. Woo! And he jumped up, and he started walking and leaping and praising God. And a miracle happened. And it was just on the other side of somebody's agenda. Right? And there's miracles, not necessarily something like that. It could be. But there's miracles all around us if we're listening and following the leading of the Holy Spirit and not just living, practical, preoccupied, agenda-filled lives. Because the answer is the presence of God. And the presence of God is in you. And anything's possible at any time. I want our church to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I want us to be living. Uh, I, want, I, want to, I want us to be dangerous to sickness and poverty and depression and darkness and, and, uh, and chains, you know, in the spiritual realm, when, when, when those touch of things see us coming, I want that the kingdom of darkness to be shivering and shaking because 
We are in tune with God. And the presence of God is invading brokenness and despair and hurt and pain. And we are the anointed ones. Not because we're special, but because we're special. (laughs) We're called. We've been given God's presence on the earth. And that wasn't just the only miracle. That was one man, his legs were healed. But moments later, as Peter kept in the flow of the Holy Spirit, you know, he had an opportunity to preach the gospel to a whole crowd. 2,000 people were saved. And then later, he got in trouble for it. So then he got to preach to all the Sanhedrin and the elders and the leaders and the high priests and his whole family about Jesus. And he laid it on them. He had an amazing opportunity. One thing after another fell into place, but he kept walking by the presence of God. So I think there's a lot there for us to to glean from and learn from. So Psalm 20, verse 6. The Lord gives victory to his anointed. He answers him from his heavenly sanctuary with the victorious power of his right hand. And when we build a sanctuary for God to dwell in, God shows up. He shows up. In Chronicles it says, When everything was finished, everybody did everything that God called them to do. Everyone carved all the stones and embroidered all the things and all the sacrifices were given. It says, fire from heaven came down and licked up and burned up the burnt offering and the glory of God filled the temple and everybody fell on their faces and shouted and praised God because the presence of God showed up. And I want the presence of God and the glory of God in your life and in my life and I want God's presence to show up. The Bible says that the glory of the Lord will cover uh, the, the, the earth as the waters cover the sea. So the glory is in us. Let the glory fill us and overflow through us. Amen? So this morning, as we go, I want to give you the opportunity just to be anointed. Um, again, the anointing oil is a symbol and, it, and, and it's a reminder of that you are called and anointed of God that his presence is with you and goes with you, that you are special, you have something that God has placed inside of you, and you need to be a steward of that gift that he has because there are changed lives right on the other side of you laying your life down and allowing God to use you. There will be miracles, there will be changed lives, changed hearts as we go forth from this place and we be the church this week. And uh, to do this, um, I'm asking, I I think we have several elders here. Would you guys come forward? And what we're going to do, it won't take uh, very long because we're just going to anoint you, and we may say something like this. We have some oil. We may dip our finger in that oil and just touch your forehead with it. Some of us like to make a little cross like this, and we'll say, I anoint you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's it, okay? But I want you to go this week with power, knowing that even though you're not a perfect person and you don't have all the answers, you are still chosen. You are called of God, and you don't need to have all the answers because God in you is the answer. You need to be an available vessel to him. And so there's a song that I woke up this morning singing, and we haven't even done this song in this church. I don't even know why it was on my mind. So what we're going to do is we're going to play this song. It's an elevation worship song. And uh, we're going to play the video. It's about seven minutes. This is going to conclude our service. And during this time, we're going to ask you to come forward. And so if you're in this section, uh, if you guys would come from, from that side and then go back down this aisle. If you guys would come from this, this section, come from this side, and then you can circle through and go back to your seats that way. Does that work? And you guys come from here, 
and circle back that way, and you guys go that way and circle back that way. So we're all kind of going together in the same direction. But as we close the service and we anoint you, I just pray that you, in these next few moments, as we worship together, as we receive the anointing of God, I pray that you will have a heart right now to say, Lord, I want to see things differently this week. I want to have the attitude of an anointed one, a sent one, an empowered one. Help me today, and even now, let's just press into God's presence, and let's seek him. Would you stand with me, please? Would you guys go ahead and, and start that video? And I would like to just pray with us as this music begins to play. Lord, today, as we close this time, we just offer ourselves to you, and we thank you that you are with us, and that, Lord, you have called us, you have chosen us, who you have called us apart to play a special role. And Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit is with us and empowers us, that anything's possible. And I pray, Lord, that we will be energized today to go into this week knowing that we are yours. And there's a great adventure for us to live in you. And that you will fill us with your presence this morning and give us all that we need for this coming week. Right now, we receive you, Jesus, as Lord and Savior. We worship you. We humble ourselves before you. And we thank you for your anointing right now. In Jesus' name. Lord, even as we are anointed this morning, do miracles among us. God, if there's any sickness in this place, we condemn it in Jesus' name. We speak life and wholeness and healing right now in this place. Any depression, we condemn that spirit of depression. We speak joy right now over each one of us. Any confusion, we bind in Jesus' name. We speak wisdom and clarity in Jesus' name. Lord, as we are anointed, whatever our issues are, we pray for a breakthrough today in Jesus' name, because you give victory to your anointed ones. Thank you, Jesus. Let us go forth in victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's turn that music up. Let's come forward. Let's be anointed. Let's worship him. Sing.